where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Ms. Wanda. Thank you for joining us for another edition of this amazing award-winning show. Yeah, you know, if you want something to happen, you got to speak into an existence, right? So I'm just going to say that it is award-winning because someday it will be. Because I feel like we are an award-winning show. We have like some of the most amazing guests on the planet. And this guest that I have today, I am super excited. I've stalked her. Uh, you know, everyone knows the guests that I um, like totally want to have on the show. I stalk them through social media and stuff. And like, I really would want you on my show. Well, I tell you, this guest is no exception. I first met her at the Exceptional Woman of Color Conference last year. And she was a speaker and she was phenomenal. And Ever since then, I've just been gaga over Miss Kimberly Ellis, and I've been following her career and all the things that she's doing, and she is a powerhouse. If you don't know, let me tell you a little bit about her. Miss Kimberly Ellis was named the most powerful unelected person in California Democratic politics by the Sacramento Bee. Kimberly Ellis is just an amazing woman. She was the former executive director of Emerge California, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Really want to let you know what Emerge California is is and her um, newest uh, project, um, uh, Unbot and Unboss. So we'll talk about those. But Kimberly is an amazing person. She holds a law degree from the J.F. Kennedy School of Law and a Bachelor of Arts from Jacksonville State University. She um, is committed to making sure that the California Democratic Party is looking out for us as a community. And so she has got so many things on the horizon. We're going to just jump right into the conversation. Kimberly Ellis, thank you so much for being here in studio with me today. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super. I can't stop. I can't stop grinning because I'm just excited to have you. I've really watched um, from the time I met you and watched the things that you were doing via social media and stuff. And some of the people, um, uh, one of your good friends, Kelly Todd, always says amazing things about you and just really watched your rise through all of the things that you're doing. And so I'm happy that you're here to just enlighten us on some of the things that we probably need to be looking out for, especially as 2020 approaches and what we could be doing and how we can support whatever party that we decide to choose um, moving forward. So I want to just put a caveat on this. We are not telling you to be with one party or the other. We are having conversation. And if you want to join in the conversation, we'll give you time to give us a call after the first uh, segment. So after the first break, you can give us a call at 916-921-5333 and join into the conversation as well. So 
like I do with all my guests, just tell us who is Kimberly Ellis? Yeah. Well, I first, uh, again, want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. And uh, you first mentioned that we met at the Exceptional Women of Color uh, Conference. Uh, uh, shout out to uh, Flachette Robertson. I actually am wearing her yes. T-shirt today, <laughs> representing that. And also to uh, Kelly Todd, who uh, is a dear, dear friend of mine and is always talking about uh, uplifting the black community, especially and including uh, black women. Mm-hmm. Um, who is Kimberly Ellis? Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Um, As you mentioned before, I'm the former executive director of Emerge California, which is an organization that recruits and trains Democratic women to run for elected office. two-time candidate for chair of the California Democratic Party, uh, ran most recently just a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend. Uh, I've been called uh, an instigator, an agitator, and a feather ruffler. Uh, I'm a woman of faith. Uh, I am an avid reader. Uh, I love creme brulee and watching Law & Order reruns. Uh, and I am a perpetual promoter of uplifting, educating, and engaging our black people. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very well said. And, you know, I love creme brulee, too. Do so, you? all right, all right, we got that, all right. But, you know, one of the things that you, um, and I'm glad you mentioned this, because I noticed as I was reading on your bio and your website, you use the term political disruptor. Mm. I like that word. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when uh, we were talking about disrupting the status quo and uh, disrupting um you know, really um, are conscious. Uh, a couple years ago, when I ran for chair the first time, uh, a lot of folks suggested that perhaps using the word disruptor was not a good idea, that it had a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And I um, had to push back uh, and um, disagree and remind folks of who some of our most notable disruptors are, especially in in, in the uh, political space. Mm-hmm. Uh, women like Shirley Chisholm right. and Harriet Tubman and um, Rosa Parks and Sojourner Truth, mm-hmm. um, reminding folks that we have always had disruptors, and but for those disruptors, uh, we wouldn't be as evolved uh, as we are today. And so I think there's always a need for disruption, for uh, disrupting um um, the status quo and in our way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. We and we have to. I mean, especially right now in the climate that we're in politically, we have to find a way to shake things up and really look out for ourselves because nobody else is. That's right. That's bottom line. That's right. Well, and the the status quo is not working for so many of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's across the board, too. Right. Absolutely. It's not just one particular community like the status quo just isn't working like you said, for a lot of us in a lot of different areas, you know, it could be women, it could be people of color, it could be working people like there's so many different facets of that statement alone. We could just break that down for the rest. You know what I mean? It's so big. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I want to jump right into what's happening now politically. We, you know, you ran for part uh, chair of the Democratic Party that really started to mobilize women to uh, even more than ever to push behind the party. But there is a lot of sentiment like, why should we continue to 
be loyal to a party that some people feel are not loyal to us? Yeah, it's a very fair question. Yeah. And a question that, quite honestly, I think um, has been being asked for a long time. Uh, we simply uh, sort of uh, shone a light on it mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago when mm-hmm. I first ran, and then again uh, this year. Um, it is a question that I think uh, many folks are grappling with, uh, not just with respect to the Democratic Party, but with respect to both parties. Um, In many respects, people feel as though uh, neither of the institutions really serve the needs and the interests uh, of the various communities. Um, And I think it is a question that is going to continue to be asked. Uh, And if there is not an adequate uh, and proper uh, question to people's satisfaction, I think it leaves the door open for um, things like um, organizing outside of the party or Mm -hmm. even the creation of a third or other parties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, all of those are sounding real attractive to a lot of people right now. It's kind of like um, I work for the the state government, and I know one of the things that people, you know, a lot of the majority of the people that I know belong to one particular union, and there are a lot of people that are disgruntled and not happy and wanting to start their own because they're just not getting what they need. And it's it's the same thing. It's like I don't feel like I'm getting what I need from this particular party, what whoever it is, and how do I now forge out and either make my voice known within the party or, you know, I don't think a lot of people consider starting their own movement. But it's you can do it. You can do whatever you want. You yeah. know, and that's the beauty of this this country and this process is that if you want to start a different party, mobilize some people and get going. I don't know how I got off on that tangent, <laughs> but it just, it, it, it really does speak to a lot of people are just so disheartened with what's happening. So I wanted to, you know, move on and, and ask with uh, Emerge California, you talked a little bit about it and how it helps train women. Mm. How do we, you know, tell us a little bit more about Emerge because I think that's a real key um, place for us to be able to start to, again, make that change, yeah. start to push back by getting people in places where we our voices can be heard. Yeah. Well, I think uh, to your to your point just a minute ago about sort of people feeling um disenchanted, disillusioned, and really um, finding themselves in organizations or institutions or spaces that don't serve their interests or speak for them. Um, Emerge is actually a beautiful example of of people, and in this case, women, um, um, deciding to do something about it. Mm-hmm. What most people uh, don't know about the history of Emerge California is why it was started. Emerge California was started in 2002 by a group of women who looked around. They lived in San Francisco, which is arguably one of the most progressive cities in the country. Mm -hmm. And at that time in 2002, only two out of 11 of the supervisors were women. And so they did a little research. And what they found out was that couple things. Women are not recruited to run for office at the same rates that men are recruited to run. And even if women had an interest or an inclination to run, unless they came from a political family, unless they were political insiders, they didn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so that group of women went to the California Democratic Party and our National Democratic Party 
and said, hey, in addition to these two uh, things we found out, we also found out that the Republican Party has been recruiting and training women to run for office for 20 years. Wow. They are building their farm team. Don't you think we should get in the game of building our bench as well? And both the California Democratic Party and the National Democratic Party said, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but we're not interested in investing in it. That is how and why Emerge California got started. Those women decided to take it upon themselves to build the bench, to create a farm team, to create a training and support system for Democratic women to run for uh, elected office so that our voices and our perspectives could be represented at uh, at decision-making tables. That really is surprising that you would think that it would have been the other way around. I don't know why, but I just feel like it would have been the other way around. And to hear that they weren't as supportive of looking long term, like we need to make sure that we're prepared for the next wave or the next thing that's coming up. It's it's really surprising. So I'm glad that these women got to got together and formed this Emerge California and is now and has been training women to you know take take the stand take the move and I know London Breed was one of the graduates um, and and there are others lots of others and and Emerge California is actually the flagship uh, program uh, which then turned into uh, a national movement so uh, Emerge America is the uh, the national organization and uh, Emerge programs run in 25 states across the country um, and collectively have trained thousands of women to run for office this last uh, November uh, more than 700 emerge women ran for office across the country about 70 percent of them won Wow! Uh, nearly half of them women of color uh, five of the f- uh, new women uh, who came into the freshman class in Congress were emerge women uh, so it is it is a movement it is a movement uh, to to get more voices and perspectives uh, represented uh, at tables okay all right man this is a wonderful conversation if you're just joining us this is full circle I'm your host Miss Wanda having conversation with my guest Kimberly Ellis who is just amazing I, I can't even say enough about you know sorry to gush but it's just I really admire women that I see that are out there leading the charge taking the way is are people that I really admire so I'm glad that you're here today we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back if you have something to add to the conversation, drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And we're back with Miss Wanda, life coach, motivational speaker, and friend of sisters everywhere. This is Full Circle. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with political activist Kimberly Ellis. We are going to jump right back into the conversation. So, Kimberly, did you grow up in a family that was politically inclined? I did not. (laughs) Uh, And in fact, uh, I would say quite the opposite was true. Uh, I grew up as a military kid. My father was an officer in the Army, which meant that every three years we moved around and we had a new home. Um, Even more so, uh, because my father was an officer, we were prohibited from being politically active uh, and engaged. And so uh, even though I went through uh, my entire uh, academic uh, years, 
very, very active in student government as student rep, uh, class president, engaged in college and student uh, student government. Uh, I don't remember having one conversation around my dinner table growing up about politics. So we were uh, completely um, prevented from engaging uh, in, in that respect. But um, certainly I was uh, engaged and active uh, in, uh, in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it, I was there was an article, a New York Times article that came out yesterday. Um, and it was it talked a lot about black women feeling marginalized by the Democratic Party. And so I also in further in the article, it talked about how your run for uh, the Democratic Party chair kind of started to galvanize women as well. What made you you ran in 2017. You put your hat back in the ring just recently. What made you decide to run again? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I remembered why I ran uh, two years ago. And in that campaign, our uh, campaign slogan was to redefine what it meant to be a Democrat. Because there were many of us who believed that the Democratic Party as an institution and too many of our elected officials at the highest levels had forgotten what it meant to be a Democrat, had forgotten that our party was the party of the poor, the party of the working class, the party that believed in reaching back and pulling people up. And so Mm -hmm. it really was a campaign to reroute and reground the party and people and to center people in everything that we that we did. as as you mentioned, I came up short in, in that election by 57 votes. And so when the uh, position opened up again last November because of a um, sexual abuse uh, scandal by the former chair, um, I uh, had to think uh, for a while um, in, in, to decide if I really wanted to do it. And at the end of the day, decided... Um, that I did because I still wanted to do the job, the job of chair, which I believe uh, should be the job of not just being the cheerleader in chief uh, to travel up and down the state to rally the troops around our initiatives, our candidates, and our values. Um, should not just be the person who um, is talking about our values, but the person who is helping to make the party relevant in people's everyday lives. And so um, this campaign, we talked a lot about having a party of substance, style, and solidarity. Mm -hmm. And really what that meant at the end of the day was having a party that added value to people's everyday lives, a party that wasn't just going to show up on your doorstep every two or four years when we need something from you, namely your vote and your sweat equity and your time, Uh, but a party that was going to be there for you uh, 365 days out of the year, connecting the dots as to how politics touches every single aspect of our lives, Mm -hmm. um, really uh, demonstrating uh, the the relevance um, uh, in in people's lives. And so that, to me, I think is, is really... Uh, not just the work of the California Democratic Party, but the work of um, of the party nationally and all parties, uh, I believe, and that is to um, to really show its value and its relevance and how it is 
helping to make people's lives a little bit better. Yeah. And you know, you make such an excellent point. And right now, the the dog and pony show, if you will, mm. is coming around. Mm. So, you know, you see candidates on pl- platforms mm. like The Breakfast Club mm. or coming to your church or whatever it is when you, we, you ain't seen them in two years or whatever the case is. How do they start to make that shift so that we so that people do feel part of, and again, this is across both party lines, so that people start to feel like they are really being supported by that party and not just like you said, you know, some candidate pulling out hot sauce out of their bag because, you know, again, they want to connect with the voter so that they can get that vote. Like, how do they start to really make the shift to do that, what you said, so that people can feel supported, not just the two or four years that they need our votes, but all the time. Yeah, well, it starts with leadership. Mm-hmm. And really, it starts with a leadership who um, has a, an ideology and a belief that um, that the party uh, is there to serve the people. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we talked about. My um you know, definition, if you will, of politics is using all of the influence and money and heft and might to do good and to help others. And I think that in many respects, um, people feel as though there is a disconnect Mm -hmm. that not just our political parties, but um, institutions um, um, have forgotten that and have forgotten their purpose and mm-hmm. that they are really there to, 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 to serve the people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they too get so caught up with, and we talked about this a little bit off the air about the, the power aspect of it all, that that attraction of power can, can make you forget why you're really in office in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, power is, uh, seductive. It is, um, 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 you know, really something that um, that can t- completely take over uh, people and, and, and cause people to to uh, forget their true north, if you will. And so I think that one of the best ways that elected officials, politicians, uh, leaders can do in order to sort of combat the forces, if you will, of, of, of power is to uh, stay grounded in people. Uh, stay in community, uh, um, continue to go back uh, from whence they came uh, and to um, surround themselves with people who are going to be constant reminders of why they are there and the work that they are there to do. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's a conversation that can be had across so many different platforms. You know, it's political, it's in the workplace, you know, and in, in different parts of organizations and things like that. But th- it's really true is that you're, if you have a true servant heart, you're there to serve. When you start getting drunk with power, then it's like, then that's when chaos and things ensues. And so it's up to us to start to find ourselves in those places where we can start to make a change. And I'll go back to that Los Angeles Times article that dropped yesterday is you, you're running has galvanized women to want to get more involved in the party and even to run. So what advice would you give someone that is like, "Mm, you know, I want to make a difference. I want to kind of take that leap. What advice would you give a woman that wants to step forward and and try her hand at running for an office? Yeah, well, I have a... um 
sort of general philosophy with respect to to women, uh, especially women of color, even more so for for black women. And that is either you're one of two things. You are either running for office or you are supporting another woman who is running for office. I don't think that we have uh, the luxury, uh, quite frankly, of sitting on the sidelines anymore. Uh, There's too much at stake. Uh, But for folks who are interested in running for office, I think that um, first of all, figuring out what your passion is and and, and the issue areas that that most speak to you mm-hmm. is really where where you start. Um, you know, the other thing that that I talk a lot about, especially with respect to Black women and women of color uh, generally, is um, sort of um, shooting down the the idea that we are not political. I hear mm-hmm. I hear a lot of yeah. women, especially women of color and Black women, say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm not political," and. Um, it, It's interesting to me because I think that we forget that just by virtue of being black and female, we are political. Uh, Our bodies are political. And so um, we need to accept that, acknowledge that, and understand that even just um, living and surviving and thriving is in and of itself an act of resistance Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And so... um, I always try to encourage us to really um, remember those things. Remember our ancestors. Remember the the our foremothers and forefathers who who paved the way for us to be here. And understanding that um, part of our responsibility is to is to continue uh, the struggle for for fairness and justice and equity. And so, um, figuring out your passion area. Um, finding out, getting educated, what's going on at the local, state, and federal levels with respect to the issues that you care about, Um, getting the training uh, that you need. Uh, Emerge California is an incredible program. Certainly, there are many others that are out there. Uh, BWAPA, Black Women Organized for Political Action, runs a great program. Uh, It's called the TILE program. Down in Los Angeles, uh, Law Pie. Uh, also uh, runs uh, a program as well. Um, Latinas Lead runs an, uh, a program for Latinas. Uh, there are several other uh, programs mm-hmm. uh, for women to get the the training uh, and the skills building they need to, to run for office. But um, at the end of the day, I think we all need to understand that we all have not just an opportunity, but an obligation to engage in some way, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's running for office or supporting someone running for office, um, is is really important now. I think more than ever before. Yeah, I like how there are. You know, if you're inclined to run, you don't have to just figure it out for yourself. That there are programs that will support you in the process, and also, we don't think. You know, you made a, a great point when you said a lot of people, a lot of women, especially Black women, say I'm not political. But if you care about the things that are happening in your community right it can be you see um you know car people hanging out all times of night at the corner or uh cars speeding down your street because there aren't any places safe places for children to play that's enough to be able to say i can go and now make a difference in the city council or in your you know county board of supervisors it's, it's not that you have to be this big political machine or have to come from this big political family but like you said it's find that thing that's passionate for you that thing that you care about in your community or wherever it is 
And that is, you know, start to dig into that and and really analyze if that's something that really motivates you to want to make a difference. I think that's a yeah. a, a key thing. Absolutely. And 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 I tell people all the time that um, every single aspect of life is political. Mm-hmm. From you know whether or not you have a grocery store in your neighborhood that that sells fresh fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. to how much you pay at the gas pump. Yeah. Every single aspect of of life is political. And so we really have to, again, I think, um, um, be reintroduced to the concept of politics. I think because of our culture um, and our society, we have an idea of what politics is and is usually sort of at the, at the highest level. It's usually sort of the presidency, the, you know, uh, Senate, Congress, that sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget that at the end of the day, I mean, a really sort of rudimentary, basic definition of politics is the distribution of money and resources yeah. and power. And that that really is what it is. And, yeah. and there are all of these elected and appointed bodies where decisions are made mm-hmm. uh, about every single aspect of your life, whether or not your potholes are going to get filled, whether right. or not that big box is going to be allowed to come in and, and wipe out all of the mom and pop stores that have been there forever, mm-hmm. whether or not your um, you know local um, elementary school is 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 going to be able to keep its doors open. There's someone at every single level who is making decisions about your life and more importantly the quality of your life. And so I think we really need to just sort of reframe mm-hmm. in our minds what it means to be political and, and and really to understand that it just means being educated mm-hmm. and aware and engaged. Yeah. I was just recently I had a, a guest on uh Preet Didball. She was the first Sikh American woman mm-hmm. to be nom- uh to be a mayor of a US city. She was mayor of Yuba City and she mm-hmm. was here. And she was telling me about the planning commission which I had no idea about. You know, and so it's not necessarily having to run for that city council seat, but it's looking at those boards and commissions as well. Because like you said, every decision, like I had no idea. And I remember when I used to live in Elk Grove that they were going to put a Walmart there. Mm. And I was just inflamed. Mm. Right. I was like, I don't want there to be a Walmart here and blah, blah, blah. And not realizing if I had gone to those planning commission meetings and been able to make my voice heard, you know, luckily it got defeated in that particular area that I just didn't feel like it made sense there. But, you know, going to those planning commission meetings, because they're, they are planning our futures. They're planning Mm -hmm. our schools and the, and like you said, the big, big box stores and all the other Mm -hmm. things that are happening. So it's not necessarily running for city council or anything like that, but it's looking at boards and commissions too, that are also making decisions for our everyday lives that you can get become a part of. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. There are more than 500,000 um, elected or appointed positions in the United States, everything wow. from dog catcher to planning commission to mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. So there is absolutely a place for everyone to to plug in and engage. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a, it's as I'm starting to learn more um, as I do the show and I start to read more about different areas, I, I do find the political arena very fascinating and it really is eye-opening once you start to to learn how it affects our everyday lives. How can we start to as a community and especially as black women and women of color start to mobilize for what we see coming in 2020? We've got a ton of candidates out there. We've got people in our ears in every direction. How can we start to mobilize and figure out 
where we want to go as a as a body um, when it comes to this election that's coming up next year and how do we prepare for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've already started doing that and I think a big part of that is really um, not uh, not giving it up quickly. And when I say it, I mean our vote, mm-hmm. our, uh, our endorsement, our uh, support. Um, and waiting to to hear out all of the candidates. I think it's really important that we um, do our due diligence to look at people's records, um, to really um, engage in the conversations around their plans for addressing a lot of the systemic um, uh, um, challenges Mm -hmm. uh, that we've had, uh, not just in this state, but in the country. Um, and I think um, having direct uh, conversations uh, with as many of the candidates as we can at every level in terms of what they are going to do for our community. Um, I think one of the things that we have not done a good enough job of is asking for what we need and what we want. Yeah. Um, so many other communities uh, and constituencies uh, have no problem uh, being very clear about what it is they expect and what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, our communities um, need to get better at that. Uh, women, women of color, black women, black people need to get better at being very direct about what we need and expect in our elected leaders. I would say especially um, our African-American leaders uh, and our leaders of color. Uh, and um, I think you know, just continuing to do that over the course of the next several months um, is is really important. And we've, we already know how to mobilize. We, as black women, uh, are the backbone mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party. Um, we are the most loyal and consistent um, and highest um, voting block uh, of all demographics in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, uh, as as I said, uh, not just the margin of victory, but candidates cannot win without us. Mm-hmm. And so we need to know that and own that and wield that power individually and collectively. Uh, and once we start doing that, um, knowing our power yeah. is one thing, and then wielding it is another. And once we start doing that, I think we'll start seeing uh, a lot of shifts in the political landscape. Yeah. I want to, that, man, that's so, you're so spot on when you say, a lot of times we don't realize the power that we have as black women in this voting process. Um, And we often allow people to pander to Mm -hmm. us versus really standing on what it is that we need. Do you think as a community, why we don't, one of the reasons why we don't mobilize is because there's still so many fractures within our community. Do you think that's kind of standing in the way of us really coming together? Like you mentioned other communities, they'll tell, they stand for what they believe in and they are not falling on. You know, this is what we want, and they push for it. Whereas, like you said, it seems like our we we don't as much. So, do you think because there's fractures still within the black, there's so many things that we still need to deal with as a family, right? We got to clean this up first. And you, I don't know, you know, every community <laughs> has fractures yeah. and has mess to clean up, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think personally. 
I think it is that we, as a community, continue to fail to recognize our power and either an in inability or um, uh, or just not wanting to actually wield that power. Mm -hmm. um, that is, that's a dynamic that I actually would see a lot and emerge and especially with women of color and, and, and especially uh, black women mm -hmm. is um, coming to terms with power uh, and with, um, you know, sort of saying out loud, yes, I know that if I run for this office or, um, you know, get engaged, it means that I am taking an active step towards seizing power. And that is something that is not uh, necessarily natural to us and to our community. And so there's a lot of fear uh, associated with that, with the idea of seizing power yeah. and wielding power and using power. But we forget that we can use power to do good and to help others. And so I think that it is us as a community not recognizing our power uh, and not um, um, and not wielding it, not being willing to or, or being afraid to. And I think that, again, once we get over that hump, we'll start to see some changes. And I think that we are uh, primely positioned with black women at the vanguard in our communities um, to make that shift. Yeah. If you're just joining us, I am having a wonderful conversation with my guest, political activist Kimberly Ellis. We're going to take a break. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Ms. Wanda. We'll be right back. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5. Empowering women through conversation. This is what she does. She is Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. Yes, it is Full Circle. I am talking with my guest political activist, Kimberly Ellis, having a wonderful conversation. Okay, Kimberly, unbought, unbossed. Tell us about it. Yeah. Unbought, unbossed. Well, first of all, unbought, unbossed was the campaign slogan of a one Shirley Chisholm mm -hmm. who was the first African-American woman to serve in Congress and was the first uh, woman to seek the Democratic Party's nomination for president. Um, she is my favorite uh, disruptor and uh, she was my inspiration for running uh, for chair and, and my inspiration for so much of the work that I do uh, in, in politics. In many respects, Shirley Chisholm was, um, you know, what I like to describe as um, one of the trailblazers of modern day progressivism. So the things that we define as progressive today, fighting for uh, Medicare for all, for um, uh, income inequality to be addressed, for uh, um, um, you know fair wages, uh, equal wages for for women, uh, taking care of our our poor and and sick and elderly. Shirley Chisholm was fighting for those things uh, when she served uh, in Congress and really laid the groundwork for uh, the work that we continue today in the space. Um, and so Unbought, Unbossed is uh, an, 
uh, initiative that I launched a couple years ago. Um, it is branded as an incubator for the next generation of political disruptors um, and really was designed to be a platform to address and to elevate some of the most pressing issues in our state um, that are happening in some of our most marginalized communities, uh, creating a space for those voices that have historically been underrepresented, those being um, young people, people of color, women, uh, to really be able to talk about uh, and elevate the, the issues uh, in a real way. Um, it is something that, um, that I put on pause to uh, to to run for chair again, and something that I will be firing back up uh, okay. again in the next several weeks. Uh, I believe now more than ever, uh, having a space that is going to continue to call the question, uh, that will continue to hold the mirror up uh, to our. Uh, not just our elected officials, but to ourselves uh, in terms of what we are doing to move the ball of progress forward to create fairness and justice and equity uh, for everybody, um, especially in including the least among us. Okay. What do you anticipate it looking like long term? Will it, will you provide training programs or what will that look like? Yeah, so we really uh, focused on three things. One was uh, having uh, trainings uh, across the state, uh, not just for candidates, but for operatives, for people who are interested in running campaigns and being campaign uh, fundraisers and treasurers, really connecting them with the resources uh, that they need. Um, we will also have a paid internship uh, for young people. It's something that we piloted on uh, this last campaign. Um, our uh, Democratic Party does a good job of talking about the need to invest in young people, but uh, putting our money where our mouth is has not been one of our strongest suits. So um, we on the campaign launched a, a paid internship for young people, and we uh, paid uh, young people $1,000 to come and work on the campaign to learn more about the campaign. Uh, that was based on this uh, paid internship at Unbought Unbossed, where we're going to um, bring our young people in who can get some real life experience in, in, in being um, uh, active and engaged and working in the political space um, and producing content and hosting conversations um, around issues that uh, that are important to us. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It looks like it's going, well, it sounds very um, integrative, integrative for young people. Yeah. And I like that. And I, I, I know I said I wanted to wait till the end of the uh, conversation, but since you're talking about young people, you have two young people mm -hmm. that you're raising or have raised mm -hmm. and, and are raising. I don't How think do you, you ever stop. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell me about it. How do you talk to them about the political landscape? Yeah. Well, lucky or unlucky for them, they have been hearing about this since they were born yeah. and even before when they were in utero. Uh, they both, you know, were at um, protests uh, and marches when they were in strollers yeah. and in snugglies uh, <laughs> way before they even knew what was going on. And um, I think that for me as a, as a mother who is raising two young uh, black children in a country and a world that is in so many ways anti-black mm -hmm. is really important to raise them um, with a very deep 
uh, sense of reality uh, and uh, of uh, an obligation and a duty to um, um, to do our part to to make the world better, not just for ourselves, but for for others and 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 the least among us. And so, I talk to them every single day about politics. Uh, very very different experience uh, from 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 my upbringing, where mm-hmm. we did not talk about politics at all. Every single conversation at the dinner table uh, somehow gets back around to politics. I will never <laughs> forget my son uh, lamenting about how he wanted recess to be longer in school and you know how how all of his classmates you know agreed and I said well why don't you start a petition you know and get all get all your classmates to sign it and take it to the principal and he was like why does everything have to be about politics mom and I'm like because it is I didn't make the rules I'm just telling you how to play by them but uh no I think it's important that we that we educate our our children all of them but especially the ones that are uh, are targeted or are at risk in our communities uh, on the realities of of, of navigating day to day life, and I think there is um, uh, we have to start early uh, and often, and so having honest conversations. Um, and uh, open conversations, and inviting them into the conversation, and asking them, you know, how. Um, you know how it how it makes them feel. I think is really important in allowing them to to talk about their feelings and what they're experiencing is really really important. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. There's so many stressors, and sometimes we don't take uh, we don't really pay attention to the fact that our young people are being impacted just like us. Yeah. Like I don't even watch the news anymore. I just yeah. it's too much on my psyche. But if I were to have little children in my home every day, that would be something that I would still consider mm-hmm. because you know they're going to school and they may hear stories about family members or things or see things that may I may not you know expose them to but still know that they're exposed and having those conversations is really important because little you know children get stressed no matter what age they feel stressed just like we do and a lot of times they don't know how to express it and it's up to us as parents to be able to facilitate and help them navigate them through that absolutely so let's let's go there Let's go there. I want to ask, what is your opinion on this increasingly racial divide that is becoming a little bit more evident in politics? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, it's always been evident. <laughs> it's just um, um, brazen yeah, uh, and in your face now, as opposed to, you know, they used to at least try to politely right. uh, hide it or, or, or cover it up. You know, I think we have to deal with, with, and let's call it what it is, um, racism uh, directly and square on, head on. I think that we need to call out racism and bigotry and white supremacy wherever it is, uh, especially and in, including in the White House. And I think that um, it does us a huge disservice as a as a country, as a, a, a nation, as a people, to continue to pretend that we don't have an anti-black, anti-brown, anti-female, anti-anything other than white man problem in this country. Yeah. And to the extent that we uh, can have the courage, not just of our convictions, but of our ancestors, uh, to really uh, stand in truth, uh, speak truth to power with respect to what is going on, um, 
I think that is only going to um, to do good and to be good for for us. And we um, we as a community, uh, as as African Americans, I think we as Black women. Um, uh, ha- are primely positioned to not just partake in this conversation, but to help lead these conversations. Um, I don't think that this country will ever, ever be truly great until we address uh, a lot of the uh, underlying uh, root causes of so many ills in our in our society, and one of the biggest ones being slavery. Yeah, yeah, and we, we you know. We can't have the conversation without us being able to face it within our community as well mm-hmm. and talk about the effects of slavery and some of the other mm-hmm. things that have happened in our community, really addressing those at home, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to address the problem of men being separated from their families mm-hmm. by being incarcerated and all of these other things. We have to be able to articulate that within our own community yeah. and fight for it as well. Absolutely. But we have to be able to notice what is it doing to our community in order to have the conversation and have it in a way that um, gets the point across and sometimes that means taking the emotion out of it Mm -hmm. and really dealing with the issue because I think that's a a lot of times that's where conversation gets lost Mm -hmm. is when too much emotion when it's so raw for for a person and I was just having this conversation with someone the other day is that when when you put emotion into something that's already politically or charged a Mm -hmm. high charge conversation it it sometimes seems like the emotion kind of takes away from the seriousness of the conversation. So I think if we deal with things within our own community and and can deal with it in a way that we take the sting out of it for ourselves, that way nobody else can can trigger us to react in a way that doesn't help us to get the conversation across. You know, it really, again, it's about us having that conversation and dealing with it head on, calling it out Mm -hmm. when we see it, when it happens to us, and standing on it, not just calling it out and then going away. Because I think that's a a lot of times what happens to people in general is that they stand for this thing because they're in the moment Mm -hmm. of the the event happening. And then, okay, it just fades away and we don't stand for that issue anymore until another one comes up. And then we're right right there. So we have to be consistent in that conversation as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, you know, again, something that we can... Because right now, it, it, it can be very disheartening to see the things that are going on, but it's up to us to take a stand, to run for offices that we, when we can, or run for, or support people that are running for offices. Also, making your voice heard in things like city council and things like that, where we can help make a difference. And I, unfortunately, I talk to a lot of people that say, well, my vote doesn't make a difference or me speaking up won't make a difference because there's so many people that won't listen or the powers that be are not for us. You know, what would you say to someone that said, you know, I'm not going to vote. I don't I don't get involved in those things because it doesn't do any good. Yeah. Too many of our ancestors died for the right to vote. Um, We have. Uh, I believe, a duty and an obligation to honor the legacy uh, of the struggle uh, for us to have suffrage and the right to vote. Um, Our votes absolutely do count. Uh, Every single vote counts. Uh, It is, if nothing more, a... a, uh, another uh, small step, if you will, on the um, continuum uh, 
uh, for progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my first the first election by fifty seven votes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were many people who said the same thing. They um, didn't attend convention or didn't stand in the long line to vote, and mm-hmm. afterwards were were really. Um, um, upset because they didn't realize that every single vote was going to count. Yeah. Um, you know, I would also just say um, back to some of the points that you made earlier that people will treat you how you allow them um, to. And Absolutely. so we need to uh, respect ourselves uh, first uh, if we want others to to respect us and how we treat ourselves um, is an indication to other people how uh, how they will be allowed to treat us. Um, and then I would also say that decisions are made by the people who show up. Mm. And we forget that, you know, showing up is half the battle. Yeah. Um, and so often we don't show up. And so decisions are made uh, for us on behalf of us and and to us. And so um, I think it's always, always, always important um, to to show up, if for nothing else, to bear witness to what's going on. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest political activist, Kimberly Ellis. We are going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to find out what's in the future, what's in the cards for Miss Kimberly. And I also want to hit a couple of the issues before we let her uh, get out of the studio. So keep it right here. It is Full Circle. We'll be right back. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And she's back, empowering women one conversation at a time. This is Full Circle with Miss Wanda. And we are back. This is Full Circle. Thank you so much for listening. Let's take a phone call. 97.5, hello. Hello. I thought I'd uh, just give a call in. This is A from the OP. At least that's the moniker that I use. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversation, but it's been, um, excuse the expression, cricket. No one has called in um, to say anything, and that just kind of makes me think that a lot of people, um, as uh, you all spoke to earlier, about how people want to say they're not political. And I, and I think that maybe we need to come up with a different term, because it, in my mind, it scares people off. Because like you stated, um, whether you're political or not, all the uh, bills that are written, everything that happens in the society affects all of us. And we need to stop shying away from not wanting to get involved, if you will. So, um, but I just wanted to, you know, call and put that out there, that there, there's so many things that each of us can do. And um, I do know other people that don't vote, but... When you don't vote, it still impacts you, and it makes, in my opinion, makes the situations worse. And so we just need to figure out how to how to come together on that. Call it something else. Call it whatever you want to call it. But we we really need to uh, all join forces and then forget about political parties, or what party we belong to. Yeah. You know, we all belong to the human race party, right. and everything that's happening impacts all of us. Yeah. More so us as a as a race of people. Mm-hmm. April, thank you so much for calling. You're absolutely right. I was surprised that more people didn't join into the conversation, and it could be that it could be that this just may not be 
you know, a lot of times when you're discussing something that people are not really familiar with, it kind of, you know, instead exactly. of probing and asking questions, just kind of sit uh-huh. back and, and just kind of peep out what's happening. So, but I thank you and appreciate you calling. You're absolutely right. It's that we do need to, no matter what party, we do to mm-hmm. need to come together as a community because there are a lot of things affecting us as black people right now. Decisions that are being made for us that if we mm-hmm. don't get involved, we're going to be uh, continue to be left behind. So thank you so much for calling, April. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. You Take have a care. great day. Bye-bye. I will. Bye. Yeah, you know, the caller makes an excellent point, Kimberly, you know, that, you know, maybe this conversation is a little too heavy for folks. But that's what that's the beauty of full circle is empowerment through conversation, having those conversations that we don't normally have that we need to bring out into the forefront and start the conversation. Hopefully this will start a dialogue with April and her friends or some other people that are listening to maybe want to learn more just like I did when I was preparing for the show to want to learn more about the whole political process. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, conversations uh, around these issues are heavy. Uh, I would um, suggest that life is oftentimes heavier and, Mm -hmm. and actually having to live with the consequences of some of the policies um, that are that are uh, in place and are being put in place, um, and so yeah, hopefully people are um, listening and learning and figuring out um, how to plug in because mm-hmm. I think that you know again running for office, being uh, hyper engaged in 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 politics is mm-hmm. not for everyone, yeah. um, but there is a place uh, for for folks to plug in, and it's just a matter of figuring out where that place is for them. Yeah, April, look what you started, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, ninety-seven five. Hi, good morning. My name is Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. And Can you turn I... down your radio, please? Oh, I'm so that's, sorry. That's okay. There you go. I wasn't. I wasn't intending to get on this quickly. However, um, the thought that you have brought forth has been excellent, and I'm a political pundit. I'm sort of always looking to. Uh, volunteer or find out what political stratagems are out on the table and I, I, I agree with the uh, previous speaker, previous caller that once we get engaged then we can find out more information rather than sitting back and allowing it to filter down through other um, operations. Get involved yourself. Find out what the political processes are regardless of the parties because I have people on friends of mine on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been um, trying to encourage other individuals to come out and do phone banking. I was a phone banking person uh, campaigning with um, a couple of senators, Senator Boxer, um, also President Obama during that particular period of time. And it's just a matter of coming out and being engaged, being um, working the phone banks, taking and walking the neighborhood, the precincts to identify individuals and identify their likes and dislikes about a candidate, whether mm-hmm. they strongly agree with that candidate, strongly disagree with that candidate, sort of moderately in the middle, don't really know one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the most key things is to identify somewhere be identified in some party, either Republican Party or the Independent or, or Democrat. Be and be transparent and be involved, regardless of what your party affiliations are. We're trying to unite the country and trying to make sure that um, some of the things that have come forth 
through previous um, um, uh, operations or mindsets and so forth can be taken back to an area where everyone can benefit, not just the select few. So I agree totally. Getting involved, being a part, being a, a part of the political process, canvassing the neighborhood, getting to know the political contenders and so forth, that is key in identifying us as a people, as a black people, and me as a black male in particular, mm -hmm. because we have so many events that have come to the forefront recently regarding black males and the, the uh, uh, annihilation, per se, of black males. And so it is important that the men, the males, the individuals that, that uh, are supporting their, their, their significant others, families, and so forth, be involved be a vocal point we we miss this we don't have the we don't have the dr martin luther kings anymore or anyone has identified or stepped up to the plate to be that representative but i think that this is one of those arenas and we see the the, the wonderful things that our female counterparts that have been recently elected to Congress, I'm excited about what they're bringing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about how they're coming forth and standing tall and not not uh, degrading the male populace, but standing up on issues that matter to them, matter to their families. These are home builders. And I think that it is empirical, uh, empirically important that we stand up and be supported, whether it be male, female, whatever. Stand up and be supported. If you see an idea of a candidate and they're bringing that forth, stand up and support. Be supportive of that idea and let it be known. This is what I'm standing for. Mm -hmm. I appreciate uh, Al Gore talking about climate change years ago, years ago, mm -hmm. and nobody wanted to take him serious. Now look where we are. Right, right. Absolutely. Thank, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing such great points. Did you You're quite welcome, and it's a pleasure listening to your show, Full Circle. I love it on Saturday mornings, and I'm excited to be able to uh, have some interjection in it today. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you again for All listening, right. too. Bye-bye. I'm quite welcome. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Jonathan makes some great points, Kimberly. Yeah. 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 Like I said, there is a there is a place for all of us. We mm -hmm. need to, um, you know, as as the old saying goes, get in where you fit in. Yeah. Uh, but there is definitely a role for all of us to play. Yeah. He he made a good point in too. I like that he talked about phone banking. I mean, there are so many things that you can do. Like you said, wherever you can fit. You know, it doesn't have to be standing in the front of the audience. It mm -hmm. can be handing out flyers, putting a lawn sign up, finding out about your favorite candidates and what it is that why is it that you support them? Mm -hmm. You know, are we just supporting people because of skin color? Because we know that that mm -hmm. doesn't always work, mm -hmm. right? So why are you supporting candidates, you know, looking at their history, really asking the tough questions? questions and making sure that they stand for what it is that you stand for because they're representing you that's right you know so okay. making sure that you do that research and getting in wherever it is you can fit in I wanted to ask what were some of the things that you learned from your 2017 and 2019 bids for the Democratic chair yeah so many things <laughs> we you know whole another session to talk about all of them but I think you know one of the biggest ones that I think was um, consistent in both campaigns, and that is a truism uh, about um, power, mm -hmm. uh, and that is that power concedes nothing. Right. Uh, power is 
never given, it is always taken. Uh, And that uh, if we want to um, really bring about um, systemic um, institutional uh, change, uh, we're going to have to continue to fight for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is an ongoing struggle, uh, as Coretta Scott King said. Uh, it is won or lost in every generation. And so uh, understanding uh, how power moves and operates uh, and um, um, that we have to fight for it uh, and take it uh, is, um, I think, one of the biggest lessons of both campaigns, but it's also a, a truism just of life. And yeah. for us as, as, as people, as a community, uh, as women of color, as black women, uh, to not shy away from power, uh, but to recognize and to uh, acknowledge that power can be wielded and used to do good and to help others. Yeah. I think sometimes people do think of power as this negative term. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so doesn't have to be. It's how you embody the power that makes the difference. Um, And another point that you made was that we as black women have to stand in that and Mm -hmm. know that we are deserving. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with a friend and I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and putting my hat in the ring for this particular thing. And she goes, why don't you just do it? She said, if you were a man, do you think men, no, she said, do you think men sit around having this conversation? (laughs) Men will be like, oh yeah, I put in for that. Oh yeah, I did too. Not trying to consider all the pros and cons, Mm -hmm. just doing it. And so sometimes I think that we as women in general, just we don't realize that we can ask for the things that we want and we can put in for that thing and we can if we see something in our community that's not right we have every right just as our male counterparts to stand and say this isn't right i'm gonna i'm going to run to change this or i'm going to do what i can to change this yeah i think we struggle with uh the imposter syndrome yeah and feeling like we have to be perfect um there was a joke that uh, i would oftentimes tell uh at emerge california that um You know, when uh, men and women apply for jobs, um, men will see, you know, um, the list of 10 things, qualifications that you have to have in order to to apply for the job. And the woman will see that same list uh, of 10 and she will say, well, I, you know, I I have one through nine, but I don't have 10, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to apply. And the man will look at that same list of 10 and say, oh, well, I can do number three and number six, so I'm going to apply, right? right? Like, (laughs) they don't need to be perfect. They don't need to know it all. Um, And I think that that is uh, something that, um, as women, you know, we oftentimes struggle with, with the feeling that we have to be perfect mm-hmm. uh, or have all of our T's crossed and I's dotted before we before we move forward and and the reality is we don't yeah absolutely <laughs> so before I let you get out of here I do want to ask what are some of the issues that are important to you yeah I mean where to start right I mean there's <laughs> I feel like every day there's like a new you know 17 alarm fire right you know uh, depending on what the the person who's currently occupying the White House has tweeted out the night before right, right. but you know I think certainly um, 
um, women in politics, getting more representation of women, women of color. I think that um, what we have seen just in the uh, short time with the new freshman class, specifically the women of color, even more specifically the squad, Mm -hmm. uh, and just some of the um, conversations that are being had, some of the voices that are being lifted up, um, is remarkable. And we need more of that. And I think that uh, the way we get that is by electing more women and women of color. Uh, and so certainly that is something that will, I think, always be important to me because I understand that um, getting more women and women elected to office is not just a nice thing to do for the sake of parity, but because we know that on the other side of that, the policy and the legislation that comes out is more fair, more equitable, and more just for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Climate change uh, is something that I, I think a lot about. Uh, certainly uh, in the Bay Area, we, I've, I had the incredible uh, honor of visiting 56 out of 58 of the counties in California over the course of both of those campaigns and visiting some of the coastal uh, uh, counties and areas that are um, dealing uh, with rising sea levels. Um, and the forest uh, wildfires uh, that took place uh, up in in our northern rural and even down in in some of the southern parts of our state. Um, These issues are real. Climate change is real. We are facing a a climate catastrophe, I believe, on our planet. And I think that um, not just the Democratic Party, but uh, people of color and African-Americans, have to be on the front lines of of protecting our planet because we don't we don't have an alternative one right. to go to. Right. Um, and then I would say um, campaign finance reform, getting money out of politics. I believe that money has polluted and corrupted our politics. And until we uh, remove money from the equation, we are never going to truly know what's driving our elected officials' decisions. Um, I think we need publicly financed elections at every level, local, state, and federal, and we need a constitutional amendment to overturn uh, Citizens United. Uh, And then finally, I would say justice reform uh, and understanding that um, our system is broken when we um, claim to be the greatest country on earth, but we imprison more people than any other country on the planet. And people of color we know uh, suffered the the brunt of this. And so um, African Americans are twice as likely to be arrested and uh, almost four times as likely to experience the use of force during uh, police encounters. Um, We need to really be on the front lines of transforming uh, our justice system and to, um, I think one of the biggest things we need to do is to end the for-profit Um, private prison industry and any kind of profiteering that's associated with incarceration. So lots and lots of issues uh, that are near and dear to my heart. But um, as as I mentioned before, there's a lot of work to go around and a lot of opportunity for people to to get active and engaged to really help bring about the the change, the transformative change that that we all desire Mm -hmm. uh, and know is possible. Yeah. You have had a, a very busy couple of years, right? So what is next for Kimberly Ellis? Yeah, rest. <laughs> um, no, in, in, in all honesty, um, what is next is more uh, beautiful 
disruption, uh, disruption for uh, the sake of bringing about fairness and justice and equity for uh, for everyone. Um, but I do think it's important, and you had mentioned uh, when we were chatting off air about self-care. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really, really an important topic that we oftentimes don't uh, don't discuss, just not even as it relates to politics, but just generally mm-hmm. self-care. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I would always say is we have to remember uh, that um, – Putting your oxygen mask on first is not just for uh, airplane settings, Mm -hmm. uh, but we have to remember to do that um, um, throughout life. And especially those of us who have chosen to be on the front lines uh, in politics, on the battlefield, if you will. Um, It's a rough and tumble uh, arena and you get battered and bruised and exhausted and worn down and ripped apart. And it's important to take the time to to decompress and to Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Uh, And to remember that if we um, don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anyone else. And so um, I just want to remind everyone that um, this is a marathon and not a sprint and we need to be sure that we are taking care of ourselves and each other yeah yeah and the marathon continues yes you have to shout that out (laughs) Um, but you know it it, how can people find you and support I know you're going to be launching back um, unbossed unbossed Mm -hmm. Um, and how can people support you and find you follow what you're doing and and lend a hand yeah well they can uh, follow me online at real Kimberly E uh, on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and um, we will be firing back up all engines, if you will, uh, in a matter of weeks. And so I'm looking forward uh, in these coming weeks to uh, not just rest, but to um, reconnect mm-hmm. uh, with with friends and, and family. And um, been doing a little bit of traveling across the state, um, um, thanking people, uh, being in community and continued conversation with folks about bringing about change uh, mm-hmm. in various communities. So uh, I... I am not going away. Uh, i taken a little time for self-care and to rest and reflect, and uh, we'll be back in the saddle before you know it. Yeah, we can't have you go away. <laughs> you are too valuable to the movement. So thank you so much for all that you do. Um, and I am just looking forward to seeing what you do with Unbought, Unbossed, um, and seeing that initiative move forward and helping groom that next generation, like you said, to be involved and to be, I love that word, disruptors. That is really key to making sure that we are making waves in order to make a change. That's right. Yeah. This is Full Circle. Thank you to my guest, Kimberly Ellis, for sitting down and having conversation with me. Thank you to uh, my callers, April and Jonathan, and for anyone else. Don't ever feel shy to call in and share your opinion. This show is not about Miss Wanda. It is about you. It's empowerment through conversation for all of us. So, you know, if there's something that you want to chime in on during any of the shows, make sure that you feel free to give us a call and, um, you know, share your opinion. That's what it's all about. Remember to follow the show on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Full Circle 975 and make sure that you are uploading or subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, so that you don't miss any of the episodes uh, when I upload them 
on Tuesdays. You can hear the replays. They are there for you to go back and listen to, take some notes, share with a friend and family. Also share the page, subscribe to the podcast platform, um, the, the show on your podcast platform, and make sure you share the page, social media, and the podcast with friends and family. This show cannot happen without your support. So we appreciate you. I am so excited to tell you guys, don't forget in a couple of weeks, the Full Circle Overcomer series will be starting for phenomenal women sharing the stories of how they overcame difficult circumstances in their lives. That kicks off on August 24th. You do not want to miss it. Also, August 17th, we've got, of course, Lessons from the Journey with Sean Brown and myself. Next week, we have uh, Kendra Harris from the Status on the Commission of Women and Girls uh, joining us. So make sure you are tuning in every Saturday. This show is for you. It is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, and I will see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.